You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker. With you on this episode, we're going to talk Elijah Mitchell, 49ers sixth round running back. Earlier this week, we talked a lot about Trey Sermon, and uh, now we're going to get to uh, the next back they selected, two rookie running backs this year, Croc, and uh, we've seen how well undrafted free agent running backs have done in Shanahan's system, so I'm excited to see how these rookies jump in, and uh, excited to hear your opinions on the Louisiana Raging Cajun prospect that is Elijah Mitchell. First, Croc... I want to talk a little bit about the latest. Actually, just before we jumped on here to record, Adam Schefter says that the NFL has approved alternate helmets today for teams wearing throwback uniforms starting in 2022. So it's not going to be in play this year, but next year. I don't know why it takes an extra year to approve some stinking helmets, right? But um, this opens the door, he says, to the defending world champions, for example, Buccaneers wearing the old white helmets with the orange swashbuckling buccaneer on it as early as 2022 and for us as you know 49ers fans here it allows the 49ers to have the throwback helmet to go along with the throwback uniform which only makes sense and maybe when you're talking alternate uniforms it's not just throwbacks maybe some newish uniforms I've seen some mock-ups out there with some chrome gold helmets uh, somebody said that they there's rumors of a silver helmet which i'm absolutely not into that's not the 49ers colors this isn't ohio state this is the san francisco 49ers what are your thoughts on uh, the new alternate helmet approval i thought it was a weird rule to begin with you know why can't <laughs> teams change their helmets like what is the difference well, now we see it in college football we see it in high school football but you can't do it in the nfl that rule never made sense to me now some teams that have a more simple kind of design with their throwback uniforms they're they've been able to change their they're not really changing their helmets they're just kind of changing or taking off design so like when you look at the the detroit lions right for thanksgiving thanksgiving detroit lions they always wear those it's just all silver, right? There's just no logo, yeah. no stripe, no anything. That's their throwback helmet. That's how it looked. They're able to do that because they're not altering the actual helmet. But even then, I, I never understood the rule or why it's even in place. I'm assuming maybe some type of safety thing, but they just they just ruined the swag. That's all they did. They, they just ruined the swag, the drip. I understand why they don't want it to be like as crazy as the college level is and have it in different uniform every week, head to toe. But if you're going to go alternate jerseys, why don't they just approve the alternate helmets to go with the jersey? It just it would look better, and it just makes sense. So I don't know why they hadn't allowed at least that to happen and approve it all at the same time. And yeah, you're right. So logos could change. And in fact, the 49ers have had the old logo, which I like better, with the throwbacks before, and they've had the new logo with the throwbacks before. And that's all that's really different about the Niners helmets is just the different sticker that's on the side and i'm all about the old logo i hate the new logo it's it's pretty it's very similar most people probably don't care the old logo is where it's at they should be wearing that anyway in fact they should just wear that 100 percent of the time the old logo 80s helmets and the new jerseys are similar to those old you know super bowl era uniforms anyway so just wear that all the time it's just a better logo it's simpler it looks cleaner it's a better logo and as cal pointed out here on twitter they brought back the saloon font 
in 2019 for the end zones, which is a huge improvement. And I agree. I love the saloon font in the end zones over the new school. It's not even new anymore. I mean, the new logo is 20 something years old, right? It dates back right. to like the late nineties. So uh, it's, it's an old look anyways. And it's kind of a bad look. It looks like a Bud Light logo. You know, it's like, it just looks cheesy to me. The new logo. I, I love the old school logo. <laughs> Simple. Don't throw an extra, uh, you know, uh, gold ring, gold. Uh, yeah. Like, cause it's like, cause it used to be just, for those that aren't picturing it and don't remember it, the old SF logo was just red with a white SF and a black border. Simple. You know, the black border was just one thick line. It didn't go thinner and, and thicker in other places. You know, it was it was just simple. And the new one, the, the border is a little bit different, thinner on the top and then wider on the sides. And then it's got an extra gold and then there's white in between. And it's just there's a lot of colors and a lot going on. And to me, it just looks cheap and, and cheesy. And... Instead of upgrading it, trying to go crazy, just go back to the old clean logos that looked amazing anyway and win more championships. Yeah. You know, I, I just always thought it was really weird how it takes so long to get these uniforms approved. In the NFL, like high school football, college football, we decide what uniforms we want to wear like the week before. The NFL, <laughs> this thing is like planned out like two years in advance or something like that. Like they can't change it last minute or it can't be. I think that hurt the 49ers in the playoffs, right? Uh, I want to say in the playoffs, the 49ers wanted to wear the all-white or in the Super Bowl. I think they wanted to wear all-white, and they couldn't do it because they weren't approved to wear the alternate uniforms at that time or something crazy like that. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, you're approved to do it twice per year, and it has to be pre-approved. And this rule is insane that it doesn't even go into effect until 2022. Like, what's the holdup? What would, what's different about it going into place in three months? They don't, they don't want teams rushing to put a new sticker on the helmet. <laughs> it's, it's insane. I can't, I can't believe that stuff, but uh, the NFL does a lot of weird stuff that I don't understand. This is definitely one of them. Probably one, one thing I just did not understand for this long, but I like it now. So maybe, you know, when the 49ers, if they ever were, were you a fan of the all black uniforms? Uh, once is fine. Yeah. I, I liked them. They're okay. Okay. So just once, right. Throw, throw them in there yeah. as an alternate for one game. Now, maybe you can have, an all black helmet as well to kind of go with this. So it looks a little bit better. I liked them. I know everybody else was like, Oh, put some gold trim. And I'm like, well, if you put gold trim on it, it kind of defeats the purpose because this is supposed to be just an alternate. It's the exact same uniform as they currently wear, but just in a different color. And if you look at it from that standpoint, there, there is no trim on any of the numbers currently. So I understood why they didn't, you know, quite go that way. But, um, yeah, I, I I like this new rule. I don't know if they're doing alternate uniforms yet or if it's just throwbacks. It's like if it's not a throwback, you can do it. If it's an alternate, can you still do it? Yeah, like, they're say doing like the Saints. normal helmets with alternate or normal uniforms with alternate helmets, or is it just alternate hem- helmets with alternate uniforms in those couple of games per year? Right. Well, like the Saints, right? The Saints like to wear their um, the all white. What's that? What's that? Uh, 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 color rush uniforms. Yeah. You know, all white. Could they throw on an all-white helmet or no, because that's not throwback? I think you can do whatever you want. It's just an alternate helmet. But I think everyone's minds go to throwbacks just because the helmets don't match the uniforms when they go throwback with those uniforms. But I think you could do something like a team like the Jaguars or whatever. It doesn't have a long history of, of throwbacks. You could go crazy with it. So I think we'll see a lot of that, too, and a lot of really shiny helmets, which is something you see a lot in the college game. A lot of, a lot of <laughs> right. chromed-out helmets, I have a feeling, we'll see out there. So anyway... Uh, have you ever been to the combine? 
I have not. There's talk that the Combine at some point soon might be leaving Indianapolis, sort of like how the Super Bowl and the draft now is going to different locations and stuff. There's a there's a big reason logistically why Indianapolis is a good place for the Combine, so there's not that many places that could hold it and have all the doctors in there and the travel and the people coming in and out and keeping everything condensed. But like Las Vegas would be an obvious spot, probably, you know, Miami or whatever. A lot of places where they've, they've thought about the draft and had the Super Bowl in the past. But... I mean, that'd be awesome if the Combine was over here on the West Coast. Well, not for you anymore because you're not over here. I don't think they'll have the, the Combine in Arkansas, but um, if they <laughs> the Combine like in Las Vegas, that'd be fun, right? That'd be make it easier for me to go, and I want to go to the Combine. Now. I want to go to the Senior Bowl and the Combine. I want to start going to everything after a year of not being able to go to anything. Like, sign me up for all these events, but the Combine's an awesome event that I definitely want to go to that I still have not been to yet. Well, I think part of the reason why it's really cool to have it in Indianapolis is because it's probably not a great nightlife there, as opposed to Las Vegas, and you take all these young 21, yes. 22 year old kids. I think about the actual players. Yeah. How, <laughs> you know, how focused are they on what they're supposed to be doing? The biggest interview of their life up to this point, you know, are, are, are you 100% focused or were you out at Floyd, May Floyd Mayweather Strip Club the night before you're supposed to run a 40 yard dash? That might put them in, a little, get them in a little bit of trouble. That definitely might, yeah. And in, if it's in too big of a city, it would take away the the quaintness of what Indy is, where you could rub elbows with GMs just walking down the street and everyone goes to that one restaurant, that one famous restaurant and has the, uh, the shrimp uh, cocktail or whatever it is. Have you seen that? I always see this one shrimp cocktail. It's got a whole bunch of a spice to it, I guess. Um, but you know, there's, there's like all, there's just a few spots to go to in this one little condensed area and everybody's there. And so you can talk to, you know, the, the old anonymous, that's the best place to talk to a, a liquored up, you know, a little bit tipsy anonymous scout and get some good info. So that's, that's, what's cool about it. And if it was in a bigger city, people were spread out, you wouldn't have that cool factor anymore at the combine. Yeah. I, I like the idea of it moving it around. Just like what was it, the NFL draft? What was the NFL draft originally? I can't even think about it right now, but it was Radio stationary City in Music one Hall place. in New York. It was in New York, yeah. right? And now they've started to move it around. And I think, yeah, I think that's really cool. I think it's really cool to give other cities kind of that 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 moment and and you know, maybe different people get to participate and and, and go to it because a lot of fans want to go to the draft. Now you can you can go. They did it in what Chicago. Obviously, Vegas. I keep moving it around. I think that's pretty cool. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk Elijah Mitchell, 49ers, sixth round running back. Strengths, weaknesses, how he fits into this Niners backfield in 2021 and beyond. I'd like to take a moment here to tell you about Bet Online, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. And then when I say all your sports, everything Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, playoffs, super fun. Even more fun when you've got a little bit of extra action on those games. UFC, MMA, celebrity boxing, golf, everything you could imagine betting on, they've got available. They've got lines on it at Bet Online. You've got some futures bets when it comes to NFL teams, over under win totals on your favorite team, rookie of the year. MVP and Super Bowl champion. So uh, before you do anything else, head over to Bet Online, your laptop, mobile device, your desktop computer. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. Get your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit using promo code Locked On. That's promo code Locked On at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. 
Elijah Mitchell's an interesting prospect, Croc, because watching him at Louisiana, I didn't think he, I thought he was bigger, a lot bigger than listed and not nearly as fast as the four threes that he ran at his pro day. And some look, we're going to look back on the 2021 draft and some of the pro day times. I think there were some itchy trigger fingers here. Elijah Mitchell, first off, you know, four threes and he's an athletic guy, but four, three, five, was it? Uh, like he doesn't play to four three five. He's sort of like the the opposite of Brandon Ayuk. Remember Brandon Ayuk came out and ran a four five flat, and he did have like a core injury or whatever. And, everyone, and he was like, man, th- this guy plays fast. And I don't know if Ayuk's a four three guy, but you know he was like a four four guy. And um, his four five is like, nah, he plays faster than that. Elijah Mitchell's the opposite. He runs a four three five. It's like, no, he doesn't run. Like he runs like a four five flat guy to me. Like four fours right. maybe. He's got some speed. Sometimes he runs away from guys. Sometimes he's he gets caught, but. He doesn't play 5'10 and I think a quarter. 5'10 and a quarter, 201 pounds. He was bigger than that. He was like 215 at Louisiana. I thought he was like a six-footer. I was like, this guy's kind of big, and he'll put his shoulder into people. And um, and he's got some nice speed. But uh, what I see here when I look at his relative athletic score, shout out to Kent Lee Platt, who does the the RAS system, the relative athletic score, 9.5. Like, he has this awesome... Uh, athletic score that I think was out of, you know, whatever the, the the thousand running backs that he's ranked in these athletic scores. Elijah Mitchell's in the top 90, you know, not, he's in the top 10%. He's like, uh, I think 80th out. Oh, here it is right here. Yeah. He's 75th out of 1,490 running backs since 1987. So that's how good yeah. those workout numbers were. Now, some he's got pro day numbers that get compared to combine numbers, so that skews some of these backs. But 5'10 and a quarter, 201 pounds, threw down 4'35 in the 40-yard dash. He had a sub-7-3 cone, which is really good for the uh, the agility drills, 37.5-inch vertical. So like a off-the-charts workout for Elijah Mitchell. What did you see in Mitchell as a prospect, and did you see that type of workout numbers on the field? Well, first of all, first thing I want to talk about is you saying, talking about his weight, right, and how he looked bigger. He actually weighed in at the Senior Bowl, 215 pounds. So that was probably closer to what he played at. And that was and like then, a, so uh, he lost 15 pounds in a month. I want to find out what diet he was on, man. I need that. <laughs> yeah, he lost 15 pounds in a month to go faster on his 40-yard dash. So you're not wrong with what you're seeing in the sense of what he looked like on field, on, on, on the field. And I'm right there with you with kind of thinking. I know my initial thought was this guy does not play at any type of 4-3 speed. Now he's not slow. And one thing that I wrote down in my notes was. He definitely has more burst or long speed than Trey Sermon does. So we're, we're not talking about somebody that runs a 4-6 or, or anything like that. Just doesn't look quite 4-3-ish. Yes. Maybe more 4-4-8. Four, four, you know, something along those lines. Look more like that in film. Definitely can run away from guys. That was really good to see. You know, I think uh, the things that kind of jumped out to me immediately was he runs hard. He does run hard. He is ideally more of a one-cut guy, but one thing that I thought he did, did well was he he has good feet and nimbleness in the hole. He can make guys miss in the hole. But the weird thing was in the open field, he could not make guys miss. Yeah, he he has to he takes a lot of steps to gather once he gets going. 
But when yeah. he's sifting through the stuff before he turns on his speed, he can move around a little bit and, and maneuver right. in the hole. I saw the same thing. Yeah. And, and I was surprised at that. I thought I was going to see more more quicks out of him on the edge. But once he's out on the edge, he's a one-speed guy, and he just goes. And instead of trying to make you miss, he just sort of puts his shoulder down. And he's really good at that. He loves getting his shoulder down and absorbing that hit uh, on top of his shoulder, and, and he can bounce off tacklers a lot of times in that way. Yeah, that, that was definitely something good to see. But it was really weird. Almost like Raheem Mostert a couple years ago. Mostert was one of those guys. Now, obviously, he doesn't have Mostert's pure speed. But Mostert was one of those guys where – he wasn't very quick or shifty in the open field. It was like, I get going one way, then boom, hit the hole, and then I'm just running straight. Mm -hmm. And and he looks a little – Mitchell looks like that. Now, we have seen Raheem Mostert get better at being more elusive in the open field. Now, he's you'll never mistake him for just a guy that just shakes everybody and is going to break defenders down, but he definitely can make guys miss in the open field. Hopefully Mitchell can start to add a little bit of that because, again, it's there. We see it in the hole. Does a really good job of being a fluid mover there, but has to improve on that when he gets on the edge. Almost like Trey Sermon there, I was like, man, I feel like one guy in the open field should not be able to get you. Like that's one of the number one rules as a running back. Mm -hmm. I can't let this one guy – like there's nobody else around and this guy wants to try to tackle me. Can't let him get, get me down. And I just thought with him – it happened a little too often, just like kind of Trace Herman, but both guys who do run really hard and they can break tackles and things like that, but make that guy miss. You shouldn't have to break that tackle. There was one area where, or one play, where I was a little disappointed with Elijah Mitchell. Broke off a long run down the right sideline and kind of just goes out of bounds instead of lowering his shoulder on the defender and trying to score. And it doesn't seem like something that's that big of a deal, right? He's like, well, he ran downfield that time, and then, you know, he scored a few plays later. But maybe you don't score, right? Maybe now something that if you would have just been a little bit more aggressive finishing that runoff and you score, we don't, you know, lose four points, you know, because we had to kick a field goal because we got stopped or whatever. Like, those are things that I kind of looked at, like, you know, I try to look at it from a mindset. And I, I have buddies that were running backs. And I just hear their conversations that they're having. And it's like, hey, you you finish that run. Like, you have to finish the run, especially down there. So that was one play that kind of stuck out to me. Like, I, I didn't really care for it too much. But overall, I think we've touched on a lot of things that I, I, we believe he does well. Uh, other areas, uh, didn't really see him a whole lot as a pass protector. Saw Trey Sermon there, standing there, absorb defenders to take on blocks and protect his quarterback. Did not see it very much, if at all, from Elijah Mitchell. There was one time where I did see him, and it was really like a double team, and the guy just ran right through him and went on to sack the quarterback. So that's one thing that jumped out in Trey Sermon's favor as opposed to Elijah Mitchell. I uh, didn't really see that. And then I guess the last thing I'll probably say right now real quick is that his hands, solid. In all the games I watched saw him drop one pass, did, did look like he has like natural soft hands. But uh, not a guy that's used a whole lot. They did run some screens with him. Uh, but, again, not really great moving in the open field. So it was, it was interesting. But he's, a, he's an interesting guy overall because there is like, which, which one are you? Are you the 5'10", 200-pound I mean, guy? Or are you the 5'10", 215-pound guy? Are you quicker or elusive in space, but you're not, but you are inside? Those, he's, a, he's an interesting guy. 
I will say his hands are definitely a plus as a carrier and a and a receiver. I think he caught 16 of of 19 targets last year. Not a huge number of receptions, but I thought he could be used a lot more in the in the passing game. And he looks very natural tracking the ball, especially on short passes out of the backfield. And uh, you know, maybe if a pass isn't perfect, he can move his body. You see some running backs. It's like you got to be standing still and you got to hit him in the chest, or else they're not going to catch the ball, right? But he can be moving ball behind him a little bit. He can catch it, and he didn't fumble the ball a lot either. And so he's trustworthy there with his hands, not putting the ball on the ground and catching passes that are catchable. And then on top of that, he didn't spend hardly any time. In, in fact, I don't know if he missed a game in his career. He, he was really sermon did miss a lot of games, and neither one really carried the load at their school. Mitchell carried the ball a lot more than than Sermon did in his college career, but he was reliable. So I think that's something that coaches are going to really like, and it's going to help him get on the field early in his career that he can play on third downs. We'll see what that looks like with pass protection, and, and we'll see what it looks like with receiving for Sermon. But I think both of those guys might have a little bit more third down value than they displayed in college. But I think you can trust him to not fumble the ball. You can trust him to catch the ball. Uh, you can trust him to be healthy and be available on the field. And I think for that reason, that's probably like some extra credit that the 49ers gave Elijah Mitchell because aside from Sermon, I think everybody they drafted this year had a really good track record of being healthy, which is something that they obviously focused on this year in the draft for obvious reasons. Yeah, shoes. They, they better because I'm tired of saying <laughs> if the 49ers are healthy or you know, if they do this, if, if this guy stays healthy – Oh, my gosh. I was thinking about that earlier today. Like, when it comes to the Cowboys and their receivers, we're not looking at the Cowboys receivers and saying, well, if Amari Cooper is healthy or if if CeeDee Lamb or if Gallup, if if it's healthy. Like, no, yeah. they just, hey, these are our receivers, and we expect them to play all 16 games. For our fans are crossing their fingers, hoping that not only the receivers, but running backs, offense alignment, defense alignment, we're hoping that we can get 16 games out of a guy. I'd even go as far as to say the expectations – for like a Debo Samuel or not to play. I think most people are like, well, if we can get 14 games out of Debo Samuel, like that's a good year. It's like, why, why do we have to think that way? No, it's a good point. Um, I've got some, I got another comp for Elijah Mitchell. We'll finish up him. We'll look at the rest of the 49ers running group, running back group. Now that we've kind of looked at most of them, uh, maybe a couple of notes on Jamichael Hasty, who have not really talked about at all. Who's absolutely on the roster bubble and how we think this running back group will turn out this season through training camp next. Starting to realize that there's no bad time to enjoy a built bar. It's how I started my day today. Did not have a lot of time before I had to hit record and get working. If you are low on time, you want a healthy snack. You need to replace a quick meal maybe. You can't do much better than a low sugar, low calorie, high protein, high fiber snack that tastes awesome. And to make it even tastier, I'll tell you how you can get 15% off your next box of Built Bars. Built Bars are great for the health-conscious folks out there. Uh, lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and even great for a keto diet. That peanut butter flavor, 19 grams of protein, only 180 calories and 5 grams of sugar. Cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar. So go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off your next box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. You mentioned stylistically how Mitchell runs, and you mentioned Raheem Mostert. And I, I saw a lot of Tevin Coleman as well. And I think it's because of that 
and obviously, you know, Shanahan has a type. Shanahan was in Atlanta when they drafted Coleman and brought him over here to San Francisco, and Coleman didn't have a great career with the 49ers, obviously, but I think there's some similarities. He threw down a 4-3 in college, uh, more of a one-cut guy, showed some size, showed some toughness, uh, could catch the ball out of the backfield, could do a little bit of everything for your offense, and Elijah Mitchell has all of those qualities, but the the best way I can explain Elijah Mitchell's running style and it's the way I've always explained Tevin Coleman's running style. I think Mitchell's better at lowering his shoulder and getting a little bit lower, like Coleman's extreme version of just playing upright. But it's kind of the way when I play Madden. Uh, remember in the old days with football video games, there was like a speed burst, and it was a button that you press? Once football video games went to the trigger for like speed, you know, so the sprint trigger, mm-hmm. that's how... Tevin Coleman, and a little bit that's how Elijah Mitchell runs. You mentioned it just a bit ago about how uh, once he's going, once he's moving in the open field, he doesn't have a lot of moves. And and, and that's sort of how I run the ball when I'm playing Madden. I, I know where the hole's supposed to be, get the handoff, I hit the trigger. And so there's no turning back. I'm going into the hole, and if I hit an offensive lineman's ass, then I do and fall down. If the hole's there, I'm sprinting and I'm gone. You know, Not a lot of extra moves, not a lot of wiggle, uh, not a lot of... Uh, I think there's more patience for for both of those guys, but that's sort of how they run. It's like once you get going, you've got the trigger held down, and you can't make a, mu- a bunch of moves then. And so I think Tevin Coleman's a pretty good comparison for the style of player that Elijah Mitchell is. You know, when I was watching Elijah Mitchell, I don't know why, but the first guy that came to my, my mind was James Conner. And now Conner had oh. a little bit of that same running style. Now, Conner was bigger didn't test as well, right? You talked about mm-hmm. Elijah Mitchell and how well he tested. Connor wasn't that, but just stylistically, right? Just the style, like just kind of how it looks, how they move, how they run, how they are more of a one-cut guy, how they aren't a guy who going to, you know, elude a bunch of tackles. And gosh, I, excuse me, I hate to put that on Elijah Mitchell because I've seen him do it. Like I've seen him look quick, look elusive, spin off of a guy, break a tackle. Like I've seen him do those things and really kind of stack them up in one play. But I just thought the consistency of it wasn't so much there. And you talked about it, him having to take a bunch of steps to gather to try to like make a guy miss or something like that. It reminded me a lot of James Conner and that was kind of how he moved a little bit. I do think Elijah Mitchell probably, again, long speed is better than Conner, but that – how often are you going to be out in the open field? I mean, unless you're Raheem Mostert, but how often are you going to be in the open field to show that long speed? I thought everything else I'd, I'd say in the first 10 to 15 yards looked more like James Conner, which James Conner was a Pro Bowl running back in the season. Yeah. James Conner was a guy who had a ter- tremendous year. I think the year that Le'Veon Bell held out, Conner played extremely well. So it's not a knock or a negative, but Conner isn't definitely my favorite type of running back style yeah yeah and so there's some people that got super excited about elijah mitchell and thought oh he's going to be better than sermon he's going to be the number one guy in a couple years i don't know if i would say that i think they're just nice fits they all go together i could see uh, elijah mitchell having a three down roll i don't think he's going to be pigeonholed into one thing although i think third downs is going to be at least early in his career something they're going to try to make a specialty for him but i just think they can be you know a future nice pairing and I I think he was a committee back in college sermon was a committee back in college and I think the idea is that they're both going to be committee backs in the NFL and that can you know you can utilize their skills utilize their strengths and you can try to keep everybody healthy which is the goal but I think he's absolutely going to stick and he does have a lot of talent and and, you know he's fast enough even though maybe he's not actually playing to that 4-3 but at the same time look if he's a lot faster a lot more elusive 
you know, 10 or 15 pounds lighter, I hope he stays lighter because I think that'll help him out, especially in the passing game. And if that's the style of back he's going to be, I'm all for it. Maybe he was bulked up too much in college, and that's why we didn't see as many of those those breakaway runs and see that speed. And if that helps his elusiveness, helps his speed, and he plays it around 205, then I'm all for it. Maybe he should stay at that weight. Yeah, I, I, I have to say this now. If he does play more at 200 to 205, Everything that I've said about him in this podcast, just throw that out the window <laughs> because he'll <laughs> then be guy. a different type of back that we haven't necessarily seen on film from him. Right. And judging by his athletic testing, then uh, maybe that is absolutely the case. And maybe he realized that. And so I'm interested to see him used more as a, as a receiver. And I think that's what he's going to have to carve out a role, you know, special teams. Maybe he could return some kicks and, and some things like that, which he has done in college. So it's going to be a fun running back group and seeing all these guys put together. I think it's pretty clear though. Elijah Mitchell has a great, especially now that uh, Jeff Wilson is out. Elijah Mitchell has an awesome opportunity to make the final 53, even though he's a sixth round pick, it's almost a lock for him at this point. And I don't think they would, if it was, if it came down to Elijah Mitchell or Wayne Gallman, I don't think they would put the, the rookie through waivers to allow him to get picked up by another team. They would just cut Gallman and maybe try to re-sign Gallman or, or try to keep Hasty instead. So I think it's almost at this point, Jamichael Hasty versus Wayne Gallman. And now Gallman could be the number two back early in the in, in the season, but he could also be cut over those guys because they don't want to lose the young player. And last year, if you remember, Jamichael Hasty decided to stay with the 49ers practice squad, but he had an opportunity to get signed by another team. Do you remember that? And yeah. I wonder if he regrets that decision now that they drafted two more rookies and <laughs> it's going to be much harder for him to make the roster. And I liked Jamichael Hasty a lot. And I thought he was very similar to another former Shanahan back in Devontae Freeman, compact, not breakaway speed, but elusive, really good receiver of the ball. He was showing signs in camp and in preseason and early in the season when he got opportunities until he had that fumble. He had that one fumble and he was a different player at the very end of the year. We'll see how he bounces back from that. Maybe he gets snuck onto the practice squad at this point, but they still have too many backs to keep. If I'm projecting this group, obviously they're keeping Kyle Juszczyk at fullback. Mostert, Sermon, Gallman, Mitchell, those five backs, including Juszczyk, and there's going to be one odd man out. So to me, it's not going to be one of the rookies. It's not going to be Mostert. And if they're all healthy, it comes down to Jermichael Hasty versus Wayne Gallman for that last spot. Do you do the 49ers believe they could put Hasty on the practice squad might be the the final tiebreaker for who makes the 53? It doesn't help him that they drafted the running backs. Again, I've spoke about, you know, roster politics. You draft a guy, he's going to get first crack. They want to give him every opportunity to show that he can't do it. But the thing that does help him is Jeff Wilson went down. So that's one less back that he has to worry about and really just has to work to outshine a guy like Elijah Mitchell. But you're going to have to really work to do it because roster politics is definitely a, a, a real thing. And we've seen it from the 49ers, but we also saw Matt Breda go undrafted. Joe, Joe Williams got drafted. Joe Williams ended up being the guy that they ended up placing on IR and really just releasing while Breda, you know, was the spell back to Carlos Hyde. And then they – Continue to try to go with Breda, you know, the year after that. You ended up being the starter for for a time there. So, yeah, that's true. And Joe Williams was like Kyle Shanahan's little baby boy in that draft, too. He wasn't going to be able to sleep if they didn't go draft him in the fourth round. And he never played 
a snap, and he got drafted higher than Elijah <laughs> Mitchell. So yeah, that that what happened? Happen what too. happened to Joe Williams? I, I know they talked about different things about him maybe quitting at at UCLA for certain reasons or whatnot, and I think maybe somebody there was a death or something like that that made him kind of lose his love for it. But got to the NFL, and that's very rare that you see somebody a fourth round pick, and he's literally out the league in a year and a half, and never to be heard of again. Saw that from D. Milliner, right? D. Milliner played like two and a half years for the Jets. Gone. Never heard of him. Not in the CFL, not in any other leagues, anything. Just gone. No workouts, no. You hear nothing about D. Milliner. Joe Williams, it seems like he's getting kind of that same treatment. Have not heard from him since the year after he was drafted. Milliner was a first round pick too. And and you, you got to have a love for the game. And I think for Joe Williams, that's what dogged him. Kind of like semi-retired during college. And he's had he had injuries at every spot, came to the 49ers in camp. And I think he just didn't want to work. You know, he, he wasn't into it. And then got injured again. And then that was the it. Didn't want to work back. And so you got to have some want to. And that's one of the biggest things and the hardest things for us watching film and not getting to know not talking to people at the schools not knowing anything else and I think Kyle Shanahan and that was his first draft obviously got a little bit tied into that fell in love with this film but you got, you're drafting a human being too and if you can't count on him then you know it, it goes back to the injury thing too you know the best ability is availability and Joe Williams wasn't available health-wise or just mentally wasn't locked in wasn't into it wasn't ready to compete and play ball so you got to have that in the NFL the way I always put it is winning dirty. And and this goes for any position. It goes for wide receivers, corners, uh, pass rushers. You, you don't get to the NFL and just get to run around guys anymore. Those days are done, you know. And some guys, they figure that out in college because they could do it in high school, not in college. Some guys, they do it their whole life. And they, then all of a sudden they get to the NFL and it's like, oh, wait a second, this middle linebacker runs 4-4. And, you know, I can't run away from him, let alone the DBs. Yeah. So now what do I do? You got to be able to win dirty in the NFL. Yep, and you definitely see who's willing to go through that and who's not. And it's tougher when certain guys, if that type of guy, because there are guys that don't love it, but it's like, well, I can provide for my family this way. But what about the guy who makes enough money with that initial contract to provide for his family and doesn't have that love for the game? What does that guy do? So I look at a guy, not the dog D. Milliner. D. Milliner was really cool. That's my That was my buddy when we were there. But D. Milliner got $12 million guaranteed. No matter what he did, he was going to get that $12 million. And he touched about seven of it before he even touched the field. So if you don't have that love and you already have $7 million in your account and you have another $5 million that's guaranteed to come to you, how are you going to react? But you don't have that type of love for the game. And you, those, are, those are things that you got to kind of figure out with some of these guys who are talented. D. Melinda was a 4'3 guy, had the size 6'1", 200 pounds, but didn't have that that love for it apparently yeah and for everybody they got their different reasons and some people get it more of a chip on their shoulder because how the draft plays out for them or something and who knows maybe that makes them a better pro in the end and some guys it's the opposite they're fighting 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 because they want to get paid once they get paid they're like oh cool i'm good man i got paid you know i'm out <laughs> so uh yeah so it's, it's fascinating and the, we sometimes get wrapped up in the nuances of their technique and we get wrapped up in workout numbers, but these are all human beings and the the hardest thing to figure out is what's inside. And that's why I love doing this podcast with you, Croc, because I know what's inside and you've got that burning desire. And so I enjoy uh, talking ball with you every day because I mean, I, for those of you who don't know, this guy's got like meetings going on and he's training kids he's training adults young athletes he's uh he, he's doing so much all the time because he's got the love for the game nah actually i'm just doing this for the locked on 49ers paycheck and uh, i'm gonna 
I'm just gonna stop. I'm just gonna stop doing this out of nowhere one day. <laughs> nah. That direct deposit hits, and you're like, "All right, cool. I'm out. Thanks, Peacock. <laughs> Go hang out on the beach with uh, D. Milliner and, and Joe Williams." Yeah, yeah. That's uh, right. Actually, you know, it's funny. Joe Williams might be a pretty good comp for Elijah Mitchell, right? Yeah. Now yeah. I think about it, play style. And, and people might hear that and think of it in like kind of like this negative context, yeah, no. but Joe Williams on the field was a good football player. Yeah. He even looked good in the preseason. Like he had a few runs and I was like, wow, like this is good stuff. This was a good run. I think he fumbled a couple of times and then all of a sudden they put him on IR and haven't heard from him since. <laughs> oh, maybe Shanahan finally got his Joe Williams in Elijah Mitchell. We could only hope. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, Croc. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Got some tweets and emails that I do want to get into at some point. And I think we're going to do a little live locker room pod, or I believe locker room was bought by Spotify, so now it's called Green Room. So maybe a little uh, Green Room pod Friday. Get some of the listeners involved. What do you think, Croc? Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. I, I was. Were you like confused when you saw green light on your phone? Yeah, I saw it on my phone. I was like, "What the hell is this?" I didn't download this, and then I realized, okay, that's what that is. So, locker room yeah. became green room. We'll see if we can figure it out. I've never used it, but I know you I call have. It green before. light. <laughs> green room. Excuse me. Is it green? It might be green light. I have no idea. I think it's green room. Let's see. Let me look. Yeah, green room. Okay, good. Okay. So yeah, look out for the locker room, green room, whatever they're calling it. We're going live. We'll do a little Friday pod, a little Q&A. Have some fun. So please join us. We'll have the links out there on Twitter. And we'll talk to you then right here at Locked on 49ers.